Welcome to my podcast, How to Parent Peacefully. Join me, Pamela Query, Certified Hand-in-Hand Parenting Instructor, as I share with you the secrets to parenting with connection, not control. If you're ready to enjoy raising your children by creating a peaceful home where kids want to cooperate and you keep your cool, you're in the right place. You'll be inspired to create a peaceful and playful home without resorting to threats or bribes so that you can create lifelong connected relationships with your kids and support them to be happy, confident and peaceful. Welcome dear parents. So today I want to talk a little bit about what emotionally mature parenting might look like and how to get there if you're not quite there yet. Um, So when I first became a parent over 11 years ago now, I would have told you that I had life all figured out, that parenting would be easy. And, you know, I'll just, I'll just carry on. I'll just do what feels right in the moment. I had ideas about how my children would behave, that they would be obedient and, you know, things would be fine. Um, I would have told you that I had no childhood wounds to heal. Uh, I would have said that, you know, my childhood doesn't have a big impact on me now. You know, that's all in the past. I had a happy childhood. I don't need to worry about it. Um, And I would have said as well that emotions aren't that important. Emotions are something that get in the way and you just need to have the self-control to sort of push them aside and get through those hard times and carry on with life. And now in hindsight, you know, I was so, so, so wrong on all counts. And I wish I had more insight into this before becoming a parent. But becoming a parent was my way in to explore my own emotional world. Um, And it was quite a bumpy ride at the beginning. So, and, you know, if you'd asked me about a little bit more about my emotional world, um, I really couldn't have explained too much about it, you know, um, and, you know, especially in terms of how that was going to impact my children. And of course, I really want my children to be good with their emotions in inverted commas, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, I wanted them to be able to express themselves fully. I wanted them to know it was OK to be you know, to cry or to be angry. Um, I, you know, I wanted them to be able to communicate how they feel in a, in a mature way. Um, and I want them to be able to be with their emotions. But in reality, uh, whenever they got upset or angry about something or frustrated, I got really upset and angry and frustrated as well. Uh, so I wasn't very good at being calm in the moment to support them with their emotions. Um, and with all of these things, I wasn't very good at any of the, any of my emotions or understanding them or being with emotions or expressing my emotions or communicating my emotions. I wasn't very good at any of these things myself. Um, so, you know, how was I supposed to model or teach this to my children? And, you know, if, if you if that sounds familiar to you as well, and I know I know that I am certainly not alone with this at the time, I felt like I was alone with it. I felt that everybody else had it figured out. Uh, but I know now that, you know, um, many of us are in this situation when we become parents. And the thing is that it, it's it's not an individual feeling on your part or on my part. It is about um, the society that all of us are raised in. And most of us were raised in a society that um, values intelligence, hard work, productivity, obedience, 
showing respect to authority figures, you know, whether that's elders in the family, parents, grandparents, or, you know, what that extends out into society, into teachers, bosses at work, uh, that we don't question that and that we are obedient and behave ourselves. And that's very much what, what is valued in our society. And um, we value learning skills and facts. We value, you know, high achievement, productivity, earning money, having a high status job. And I know not all of us value this, but I'm talking about society as a whole. Um, in my own country, in Northern Ireland, we, uh, and in many other places as well, that we test the IQ of children. Um, and it, here in Northern Ireland, we test children's IQ, IQ at the age of 10 years old, and it determines their pathway through school. And those with the higher IQ, um, go into you know like a grammar school and those whose whose IQ is tested lower go to um secondary schools which are deemed to be lower status somehow um and you know I mean and we know that IQ in children is affected by is you know uh the their their um the educational status of their parents and the um uh social class of the parents and the and the privilege that parents have and the opportunity and the money they have so it's uh it's it's really not a very fair system in terms of iq but that's a whole other story we'll get into that um the point is that we put a lot of emphasis on emotional or on um iq on intelligence uh, on intellectual intelligence but we don't put much emphasis on eq emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence is, I would define it as you know, the ability to understand and manage your own emotions. So having an awareness of your own emotions and what's going on for you emotionally, as well as being able to do the same um, to those around you, to be able to recognize and understand and empathize with the emotions of people around you that you're interacting with. So, and emotional intelligence is really, it's the key to emotional well-being. It's the key to fulfilling relationships and being able to communicate well with each other. Um, it's really important in our own self-awareness. So, um, so self-awareness is being able to uh, recognize and understand our own emotions and how that impacts on other people. So how our, our emotional world, what we say and what we do and how we feel affects those around us. Um, and you know that what that does when we have self-awareness of of um of our own emotional world and those around us, then that really breeds and uh, develops empathy in others. We can put ourselves in other people's shoes. We um can kind of zoom out and imagine what it's like to be someone else and what's motivating them, and that gives us a lot of empathy. And emotional intelligence is is also about self-regulation to be able to manage our own emotions so that we don't get carried away from them and we aren't acting from this very emotional place um instead we can contain our own emotions when it's when it's appropriate we can express them when it's appropriate as well um emotional intelligence is also about the motive our motivation for why we do things uh, this idea of being internally motivated doing things because it's the right thing to do because um it feels right to us because we're connected to our true selves because we're being authentic rather than being motivated by external things, by what's going on outside, by the rewards we get, or um, by the reaction that we get from other people, that we're very much aware of our own internal motivations. Um, emotional intelligence helps us to have those social skills to communicate well, to, to navigate relationships, and um, to be empathic in relationships, 
and to know the impact that we have on others. So, and, you know, for me, that is the, uh, that is so important in terms of our children um, and how we want to raise them. And I think in society, we so often put, uh, we put the emphasis on intelligence and doing well and achieving rather than um, developing these softer skills that are so important and have such a huge impact on how our children will grow up in the world whenever we give them all these emotional skills. And this has been recognized more and more um, in society, the, the more we can give our children these emotional well-being skills, then the more successful they're going to be in life. And I don't mean success as in, you know, the amount of money they make or the type of job they have, but, you know, success in their relationships um, and uh, success in their own well-being, their emotional well-being, in their contentment, in their happiness, in their ability to experience joy, um, their ability to make a difference in the world, their ability to be curious and learn the things that they are interested in, and the, the ability to stay connected to themselves. So all of these skills are the very basis to mature, healthy re relationships and like a resilient, resilient, contented adult. And yes, of course, I want it all of these things for my children but I had no idea about them myself I hadn't I didn't have a strong sense of of these in my in myself and in my own interactions uh, in my own relationships so you know I think it is virtually impossible to teach this to your children when you haven't got a good grasp of it yourself and I was certainly in that place whenever I became a parent but now 11 years into parenting yes I am still figuring out so much so much still to learn but I have really I consider that I've really taken a quantum quantum leap in my emotional awareness my emotional understanding um, and I think that's really that's good news for everybody that you know it is completely I'm living proof that it is completely impossible to boost our emotional intelligence to learn these skills as an adult um, and that that uh, I, I see every time I take a step forward in that, every time I get more understanding in terms of my own emotional intelligence, I notice this shift to my children as well. Um, and that is the best way to raise emotionally mature children is to continually um, show up and work on our own emotional maturity, our own emotional intelligence. And yet, look, I am so far from having it figured out. I have still so much to learn and grow. And, you know, that's the thing my children help me with that all the time I wish they didn't have to help me with that I wish I had it figured out beforehand life would have been so much easier but my um but I'm growing all the time my children are constantly pushing me um and uh you know pushing me to figure this out to figure out my own emotions so I can better be with them um and you know to be honest it would be really nice to take a break from that sometimes uh my kids keep me on point day in day out relentlessly so uh, so it's a really good training ground. I would love to, to step off sometimes and just have a break and be able to have my own tantrums and <laughs> be able to just, uh, yeah, not have to always be showing up every day and taking care of their emotions. But that's the nature of parenting. Um, and just to say as well that when things get tough in parenting, which is very often when life gets stressful, when there's a lot of things going on that are out of your control, or, you know, just when it's been a really long day of, of being in emotional relationship with your kids, a really long day of parenting without nearly enough support, because none of us have enough support. 
um, it's virtually impossible to parent in an emotionally mature way when you are spent, when your capacity is low, when your cup is empty. And when that happens, the wheels really start to come off. Um, and, you know, we all revert back to how we were parented, these old patterns. That's why we start to sound like our own parents did. And, you know, that's that's completely OK. We are messy human beings. We are not going for perfection. I think I was going for perfection when I first became a, a mum. I was so I had so much empathy for my daughter. I didn't want to mess up in any way. And what's one of the biggest things I've learned is that it's okay to mess up. We all mess up. It's inevitable. And, you know, actually our children can learn so much from that as well in terms of modeling the repair and how we actually deal with life whenever things get messy. So that's all part of the learning as well. So um, I totally get it. You don't have to be, we're not aiming for perfection or anywhere close. I think Dan Siegel says that, you know, if we are attuned to our children 30% of the time, then they will grow up to be secure, happy, um, uh, well-adjusted human beings. So, and you know, maybe you're only at about 10% now and that's okay. You can, you can aim, you're not aiming for hundred percent. You're aiming to go up to maybe 12%, 15%. And then with a little bit more support or when things get easier, you can maybe bump that up a little bit more to 20%. So we're always just trying to raise the bar a little bit, but being really realistic and really compassionate to where we are on this spectrum. And we all have different, uh, uh, different advantages, different privileges, uh, different skills we all have different levels of childhood trauma so um for some of us it's more challenging than others so we're not all coming from an even playing field and i think that's important to remember as well so deep compassion for wherever you are at on this journey but let's get back to talking about what do i think emotionally intelligent parents look like and with all that in mind with deep compassion for we're not all going to be at this point uh, every day and every moment but you know I think it's really helpful just to think about what we're what we're aiming for or what it might look like on our best day um, and of course we're gonna this is a, a, a bumpy road uh, and it's a journey it's not not the destination it's all about the journey so but what do um what do I think emotionally intelligent parents look like Okay, the first thing I think is that we are all messy human beings, but a sign of emotional maturity is being accountable for the impact that we have on others. So being able to take responsibility for our own feelings and our own triggers. So the first part of that is to really notice when we are having big feelings coming up. To notice that, to slow down to take responsibility for that now that might it's sometimes it's really hard to take responsibility for big feelings in the moment it might be afterwards that we notice and that we take responsibility and that is completely fine that is 100 fine but um what it is is about recognizing if we lose our temper with our child if we're really grumpy if we're frustrated with our child that um we have the insight that it's not them they aren't doing it on purpose. They aren't manipulating us. They aren't pushing our buttons. Well, they are pushing our buttons, but they're not doing it on purpose. Um, but this is this is um, our old emotions from an earlier time when things were hard that are coming up in the present to be heard again. And they're coming out in really unhelpful ways. And emotionally, that's the very emotionally immature part of us that is coming up. But what, so the, the first thing is, is noticing that, recognizing that, giving ourselves compassion for that. But then, you know, going further, 
really going further than responsibility is really taking accountability. And that means actively working on the repair. So um, for me, the definition of being emotionally intelligent, it's not like just noticing, oh, I've been triggered, I've lost my temper. And you know, then that happening over and over again, you know, the same situation with our children um, that we keep, you know, every morning we are getting impatient and shouting at them. Yes, that can be a really hard time for people. But for me, the definition of emotional maturity is actually actively working on that repair. So that looks like, first of all, whenever we're feeling calm again, apologizing to our children, explaining to them what was going on for us, but taking full responsibility for that. And then also working on our triggers in the background, that we're working on healing those triggers so that uh, we aren't apologizing to our child every single day over the same thing. Um, and that takes time and that takes, it uh, doesn't happen overnight. Um, and there'll be lots of times in between when you continue to lose your temper with your child and get triggered. But I think that uh, having that commitment to show up and actually work on those triggers is, um, is a really important part of this. So the next thing, number two, is not taking children's behavior personally. Um, so realizing that whenever our children, our, our children are just being children, they're just being themselves. And yes, they're very self-centered. Yes, they don't have a lot of empathy or can't, can't, don't have a lot of perspective of what's going on for us as parents. We're just their parent. They're just being a child. Um, and they're not doing whatever it is they're doing. And they're not throwing food off the off the table onto the floor on purpose, just for the sole purpose to annoy you. Yes, that can annoy you. It can bring up some big feelings. But um, emotional maturity is about realizing that children aren't doing this on purpose. They don't have the capacity to manipulate us. And whenever we have that insight, whenever we can create that little bit of space between their behavior and our response, and we're able to remind ourselves in the moment, or maybe shortly after, my child's not doing this on purpose, they haven't done anything wrong, they're not a bad kid. And what that does is that, that shifts our reaction so that we're able to respond with our children with connection and warmth without blame or shame. We don't blame them, we don't try and control their behavior, but we're able to respond to them with connection, offers of connection instead. And we don't take that behavior personally. And often we have to work on those triggers a lot that, you know, whenever my, say, whenever my daughter is acting up and, um, you know, refusing to listen to me, that I, I, I do often take that personally, that, you know, she's doing it on purpose. She's so ungrateful. I have done so much for her today and she's not listening to me. How dare she? You know, but that is all my own stuff. That's all my old stuff about not being listened to as a child, um, not being having the, the experience of not being seen and heard as a child, those old things are coming up to be heard. And as long as I have that, I can start to notice that in the moment and start to put a little bit of distance in that and um, respond instead with connection. So number one and two are very much about having a, the awareness of our own feelings and our own reactions. So number three is about um, having that awareness of our, our children's big feelings and emotions that are coming up. So we can welcome children's feelings and meet them with empathy. So this is all about looking behind or looking underneath children's behavior and recognize that um, children's behavior, their difficult, tricky behavior that we struggle with, and um, that they, they are driven by uh, big feelings. They're driven, often driven by unmet needs as well. And 
recognizing that in those moments, children don't need to be punished. They don't need to be controlled. What they need is our help to co-regulate. What they need is our help to balance their nervous system again. Um, and that's the biggest gift that we can give our children is to those situations, bringing our calm, our balanced nervous system. We come with this attitude, I'm, you know, everything's okay. This is not a big deal. You're not a bad kid. Um, and that you're able to hold space for a child to fully express their feelings. Now, you know, often we're quite good at, um, at uh, holding space for our children's tears, listening to their tears. But sometimes when it comes into anger, frustration, grumpiness, oh, grumpiness is one that's really hard for me to be with, <laughs> um, that that can be a, a lot more difficult. But the full range of children's emotions that we can be with them without judgment. Um, and also the um, also other feelings like our children's excitement, their exuberance, their joy. Sometimes that can be really hard for us to be with as well. If that was something that wasn't welcome in, in our own families, that our children getting super excited and, and full of themselves and jumping all over the place, that can trigger um, a lot of big feelings. And I was like, this isn't appropriate. They shouldn't be behaving like this. This is not OK. So um, it's really the full range of, of emotions that we um, can start to become aware with aware of and start to become to notice what our reaction is to that and whether we can actually be with those emotions and the more that we can do that then the more empathy we have for our children because we're able to start to understand what's going on for them and whenever we can start to put ourselves in our children's shoes and understand what's going on for them then we can start to uh, really validate their experience and not dismiss their experience um, so that in that way, whenever we can start to do that, then our children feel seen, they feel heard, they grow to learn that um, how they're feeling um, and what they're needing is important. And we're going to notice that and meet that. So that brings us on to number four, which is attuning to our children. So the more we're able to attune to a child's mood and actually mirror back to them what they're feeling, then a child feels really seen and really heard. And like we do need to have a certain amount of emotional maturity to um, be able to do this because whenever we are carried away with our own emotions and we, when we aren't able to um, regulate our own emotions very well, then you know we get completely clouded by that and we aren't able to attune well to our children. So we need to sort of clear out our own debris, clear out our own messiness first. Um, and that opens up this mirror to uh, be able to notice how our children are feeling and what they need in the moment. And um, there's a really excellent book that, um, uh, that I recommend called Parenting from the Inside Out. And it's written by Dan Siegel and Mary Hartzell. And they, uh, they have some lovely examples uh, and it's all about developing our emotional intelligence and one little example that really stayed with me was an example of a child um in I think it was in a preschool and the child was really wanted to walk across this tree trunk and she was really um really really nervous about doing it this was a really big deal for her um and you know the the, the helpers were the teachers were encouraging her to do this and it went on over you know a number of days or weeks that she was sort of building up to walking across this um tree trunk and eventually she found the nerve climbed up onto the tree trunk and very tentatively 
walked across it to the other end. The, the natural reaction that, that some people might have is to really celebrate and go, wow, well done, that is absolutely brilliant. Um, and, you know, we want to encourage our children. And sometimes it is appropriate to meet a child like that. But what they were talking about in this example is if, you, if that person were actually to attune to what was going on for that child, then the response would be more like, oh, you made it. Wow, that was a big deal for you. And you got across. Oh, my goodness. I see that. Um, I know that was really hard. So, you know, just sort of congratulating and being really exuberant about it and, and, you know, high-fiving the child, like that wasn't actually mirroring their internal experience where they were feeling very vulnerable. They were feeling very, feeling very exposed. They'd taken on this big challenge. So attuning to our children means actually noticing what's going on for them, being curious, slowing down and really mirroring what their experience is. And that gives a child a really deep sense of being seen and being heard. That takes a certain amount of um, self-awareness uh, on our part to be able to actually mirror our children's experience in the moment. Okay, so number five is um, modeling healthy boundaries. This is really important to our children. It's something we want our children to have, that we want them to have healthy boundaries. Um, but and this is something I'm certainly always working on so much more to learn here. Um, but, you know, emotional maturity is about being connected to our true selves, to our authentic selves and knowing what's yes and knowing what's a no, not based on what other people want of us or what people expect of us, but what feels right to us. Obviously, we take into account what other people need. And I think as a parent, often we have to set aside our own needs to be able to take care of our children because we don't have enough support in this society. It'd be fantastic if we had a society where parents were supported enough that we could actually... Um, we know when we felt like playing with our children, we could say yes. And when we didn't feel like playing with our children or we didn't feel like putting them to bed, we authentically could say no to that and somebody else would be there to take up the slack and take up the burden. So often it's it's not that we can always honour our, um, our boundaries and honour our needs, but to really be aware of them that, right, tonight I really don't feel like putting my child to bed. I would much rather take a break and take care of my own needs, but... I'm going to consciously put that aside and take care of my child because I need to get them to bed. But that can make a huge difference of just being aware of where we're at with that. But then in other in other situations where we do have some choice, where we can ask for help and say, no, I'm not going to um, I'm not going to attend all these parent teacher, you know, like the school meetings or the committees that we're on or, um, you know, uh, do things for other people whenever that's going to really expand the energy that we have to spend with our children. That if that doesn't feel authentically good to us, that we can notice that and say, no, I don't have the capacity for that. That's a no. Um, and whenever, uh, whenever we're able to model that with our children and they, they notice this and they they pick up on that, then um, that's going to that's going to uh, that's going to be their template for how they set boundaries and it's something we can explicitly help our children with as well of like you know is this a yes for you or is this a no and as far as possible and I know it's not always possible with our children either but in as many situations as possible to honor their yeses and honor their nos um, and at least acknowledge them if like you know 
I hear you. I hear that you don't want to go to school. Um, I hear that it's a big no for you. Um, and and the option we don't have any other options at the moment. But let's try and figure out how to make this more easy for you. Um, and so that's really about honouring children's yeses or noes and helping them to identify them and helping them to set boundaries around that whenever that's possible. Yes, we live in this messy world where it's not always possible. Um, but the more we can tune into that, the more our children will be able to tune into that themselves and the more they will have be able to develop healthy boundaries in their own lives. OK, that's a tricky one, one I'm working on all the time. Uh, so number six is um, very much to connect it to that, to, to the healthy boundaries one is that and that is seeing children as autonomous beings and that they're not um, they're not uh, a small human that we can control, that they are their own person. Um, and we uh, that we value their opinions, we value their wants and their needs. Um, um, and that we try and honour that as much as possible and that we are able to prioritise our children's needs over other people's opinions and over other people's expectations. Um, and, you know, that takes a self-awareness on our part um, and our ability to, 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 um, to have agency over ourselves rather than bowing to other people's expectations of us. So, for example, if um, a grandparent, if expects your child to go and sit on their knee and give them a kiss and a, and a hug whenever they don't feel comfortable with it, that we are able to advocate for our child and stand up for them and say, you know, despite what other people might think, you know, no, that's not okay with me. I'm honoring my child here and I'm not going to force them to do these things because you want them to. So that takes a lot of emotional maturity to be able to do that. Um, and something that probably we're all working on all the time as well. So number seven is the ability to be playful. Um, this, uh, that we can connect to our own joy, that we can um, be playful with our children, that we can bring joy into our lives, that we can see the value of it, um, and that, that we are able to have, uh, to recognize that and bring lots of playfulness and joy into our parenting. Number eight is to be flexible, that whenever we're very rigid, our children don't respond to that well. And life is life is flexible. Life is ever changing. So the more that we can be flexible um, and and uh, so it's not about having these hard and fast rules that we must adhere to, but it's about being able to tune into the needs of our, the, our own needs and to be able to tune into our children's needs and to be able to adapt and um, and be flexible in response to what our children really need and what we really need. So one day we might be happy to do um, uh, like lots of a big wrestle and lots of physical play before bed. We notice that our children need that. We have the capacity in ourselves and we're really willing to offer that. But the next night we're not able to do that. We feel tired. We feel stressed out. Something difficult's happened that day. So, you know, we're honoring that and we're saying, no, I'm not able to do that right now. Um, I'm not going to allow you to, to run around the house and jump on the beds and pull everything off um, tonight because I'm tired and that's not going to work. And then maybe the next night you will allow that again. So it's about being flexible in how we respond to our children based on our needs, based on their needs. OK, number nine is around being humble. So 
Um, I think a sign of emotional maturity is an emotional intelligence is knowing that we don't have it all figured out. We don't know it all, that we're always learning to learn and to grow and to show that in front of our children, to admit to our children when we get things wrong, to tell them I'm still working this out, to tell them, you know what, this was okay yesterday, but I've learned something new um, and I'm not okay with this today. Um, and, you know, that, that we're always on this process. It's a really powerful thing to model that to our children, that we're always on this process of growing, changing, being flexible, uh, learning new things, changing how we do things uh, so that we can be a better parent to them. Um, number 10 is, is, is modeling emotional regulation in appropriate ways. So allowing our children to see our full range of feelings. Now I say in appropriate ways because um, if we're really angry, that can be quite frightening to children or if we're very, very upset about something and you know we sort of lose control of ourselves and and we have a lot of grief or a lot of sadness that can be really frightening for children but at the same time um it's okay for our children to see that we have the full range of feelings and in fact you know if something if we've had a stressful day and we're feeling really grumpy um instead of trying to cover that over and hide it we can be explicit about it and say to our children i'm really grumpy today i've had a really hard time i'm super grumpy and I can't help you right now because I'm really grumpy. And it's it's completely okay to do that. Because the thing is, if we try and cover that up and pretend that everything is fine all the time, if there's something going on that's really stressful or difficult and we try and hide it from our children, then they know. And it's actually really confusing for them because they are picking up our nonverbal signals, which are completely impossible to hide. Um, so children know something is going on below the surface, but when we put on this facade of like everything's fine, everything's fine, then that is actually super confusing, super, um, uh, yeah, super confusing for our children that they um, know something's not right and we're not showing that. So it's I, I think it's really helpful for our children that we communicate to them authentically what's really going on for us and then they can understand that but in a way that's not overwhelming for them or in a way that they don't feel responsible for how we're feeling. These are our feelings. I'm responsible for them. Sorry, I'm being grumpy with you at the moment. I'm gonna go and do something to try and take care of that. Um, but yeah, I've had a hard day at work. Yeah, I'm upset about, you know, I had an argument or, you know, something, there's some conflict in the family here and I'm doing my best to work that out. Um, so bear with me. Uh, so that is is much healthier than for children than trying to protect them from what is going on. Um, and the final one, number eleven, is is seeing life's challenges as opportunities to learn and grow for both parent, for both you as a parent, and for your child. That life will always have these challenges, these big things that happen to us, these stressful things, and. Whenever we have got to a stage where we're able to navigate our emotions and we're able to um, take responsibility for them, we're able to work on those emotions that are coming up, that we're constantly healing and growing, then we can start to see life's challenges as these opportunities to learn. And, you know, and some things are genuinely terrible and, and we wish they never happened. Um, but many of life's challenges, we can whenever we are able to navigate them, then we can come out stronger. We can learn so much from them. Even when we make mistakes and mess it up, we can come out learning. And it's the same for our children. When we have these skills to help them navigate their feelings and their emotions, 
then they can actually learn so much about life and so much about themselves in a safe environment. We don't have to protect them from, um, their, from their disappointment, from their upset, from falling out with friends at school or whatever it might be. We can allow them to feel that and we can help them grow from that whenever we're able to hold their feelings, whenever we're able to support them, whenever we're able to be in control of our own feelings. And um, then we don't need to shelter our children from that. And they will they that's how they will develop their emotional resilience themselves is by experiencing these difficult feelings with our help um, and then being able to move through them and move on from them. Those are my thoughts on uh, what emotionally intelligent parents look like. Once again, we're not there all the time with all of these things. It's very much something that we're working towards, we're aiming for, and, and we have so much deep compassion for ourselves whenever things are so far from that. Um, and we're just in, in the emotional soup and we're really struggling with it. Um, so, but that raises the question, you know, how do we get there? And for me, the first step is really getting comfortable with my own feelings, making friends with my feelings, being able to understand my feelings and be with them. That comes with, with, with practice and with, um, with just noticing and allowing the feelings as they come up and just allowing yourself to be with them. So another way to do this is really um, reflecting and making sense of your life story and your childhood experience. Um, and you can do that through journaling, through listening partnerships, through therapy, counseling, and through any other healing modality that you find helpful. It can also be through body-based things, through meditation, movement meditation, all of these things where we get to know ourselves better and get to know our feelings better. It can also be really helpful reading, reading books as well. A book I really recommend is Parenting from the Inside Out. I've mentioned it already with Dan Siegel and Mary Hartzell. And it has, um, it has lots of examples and exercises you can do to help you reflect on your childhood. And um, Dan Siegel talks about research that says that, um, that find that parents who have a coherent narrative of their life, so they've made sense of their life, life story, they've sort of um, uh, looked at it, talked about it, felt the feelings underneath, sort of metabolized it, made sense of it, that those, that those parents have um, are able to form a really secure attachment with their children it's um, um the more able the more they've made sense of their life story the more able they are to form a secure attachment with their children and that's because of the emotional maturity the emotional intelligence they've gained from that exercise of of uh, reflecting on their on their childhood and reflecting on their life story so i really recommend that book the philippa perry book is really good as well um the book you wish your parents had read, I think it's called. I think that's really helpful as well. It has really um, interesting concepts in there. Um, and then for me, using the hand-in-hand -hand parenting tools, um, uh, the listening partnerships, listening to children's feelings, setting limits, um, play, play listening, special time, using all of these tools can really help to build your own emotional intelligence and really helps to build that for your child as well. Um, and the big one there is really working on your triggers through listening partnerships. And that's the purpose of listening partnerships is um, really noticing those times um, that you get triggered and bringing that to your listening partnership um, and working on that so that that trigger it unravels, it loosens and uh, is less likely to come up again. And so all of these things help. And just to say it is a slow process. None of this, we can't do any of this overnight. 
but bit by bit we can learn these new skills and hopefully by the time your kids are teenagers um, you will have enough figured out so your children too they have enough emotional intelligence to go out into the world um, and to do well and to have healthy relationships and to be able to navigate life's to be able to navigate life's challenges and you know that is all we want for them after all um, in, in life is that we can set them up to have these healthy relationships to be in control of their own emotions um, and to be able to get through all these challenges that life throws at us so um, those are my thoughts and just to say the doors are will be opening again soon to my peaceful parent school where we work on all of this where so much of this is about ourselves and our own emotions and our own emotional maturity and the more we can work on ourselves then the more we can model this to our children and the more we can respond to our children with empathy and care and then the cooperation really flows from that yeah. so that's what I'm all about in my peaceful parents school uh, I'll, I'll pop a link in the show notes so that you can check it out have a think about it and see if that's something that you would like to do um, in terms of boosting your own emotional intelligence so you can really uh, pass that on to your children what a beautiful gift so thank you so much for listening today and I will talk to you again soon would you like to get your kids listening so you don't have to shout and instead you can start enjoying being a parent then pop along to my website pamtheparentcoach.com or follow the link in the show notes to get signed up to my next virtual masterclass see you next time